And I ain't hit no drop in a minute. No, I'm about yeah. my business. Rappers Guy Podcast, episode 47. Seven? 47. Bro, I don't know shit. Me so, either. like, if, if you're wrong, <laughs> like, then we're just wrong. You know what nah, I mean? we definitely have 47. This is your host, Diggy Metro. Bales Pagliacci. And uh, today we wanted to talk about uh, pay to play. Um, different uh, performances and um, venues will have promoters. This uh, topic was brought to us by a guy named Fade Records Entertainment, one of our viewers on YouTube. Shout out, Fade. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to just talk about if it's the right thing to do. And I will approach it from both sides. I'm not going to be very one-sided on this. I'm going to explain why it could be a good thing, why it could be a bad thing. So uh, what are your initial thoughts on it? Uh. I personally wouldn't do it uh, just because, once again, I've had a bad experiences in the past where, but it was like more so like being on a artist showcase and paying like $300 around a bunch of people like I think I spoke about before. And it was like, for me, it was just like, it was cool to get out in front of a lot of people and pay the money, but at the same time, paying that money also made me feel like I could have used that for something different. And I feel like I got gypped in a sense. So like, I would say no. But at the same time, it also depends because being at a show and seeing what you can do as an opener and seeing the crowd's reaction and the type of love you can potentially get, the other part of my mind is saying, yeah, it's probably not that bad of a deal if you know it's going to be the right decision for you at that specific time. That's what I think about it. Okay. So this is how I'm going to approach it, right? I think that if you are a young artist who's never performed in your life, and you don't know any opportunities to perform, and that's the only one that's come about, I think that it could be a good opportunity just to, one, get practice. Mm -hmm. It could be a good opportunity to network with different artists from the area. Mm -hmm. Because typically, like, for instance, we'll give examples of, like, the Blue Room. The Blue Room used to have a bunch of showcases, which is in Secaucus, New Jersey. And if you went and performed at the Blue Room, chances were you were performing with a bunch of artists from around New Jersey. Yep. Some from New York but mostly Jersey acts. I performed there a couple of different times and they didn't have like a, I remember I did one show where it was like, oh, we need 200 up front. And we were like, we're just going to sell tickets and just give you the 200 at the show. Yeah. And they were like, nah. And we were like, all right, cool. And then we just did what we wanted to do. I made your own shit. The thing about these promoters is like, they're not God. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to, to tell people to go out there and just like fuck over promoters. That's not my thing either. But like, honestly, I... Every show I've thrown, personally, I don't collect ticket money until the day of the show. Mm -hmm. You know, I give artists 10 tickets, whatever I feel like they're capable of. And a lot of artists, I'll start off with 10 tickets, and then if they sell them, I'll just be like, all right, and I'll give them more. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, like, how I would run my shows is we completely pay off the venue. And and usually I picked a bunch of artists that I was cool with, so they knew the vibes. Mm -hmm. But, like, I would have everyone sell five tickets and that goes to the house, right? Cause five tickets from each artist, I would do the calculations and that would equate to the amount that we would uh, need to book the venue. For the venue. Yeah. Right. So I would make everyone sell five tickets after five tickets. I would allow them to keep all the ticket sales after that. That fucks me over, but I wasn't doing it for my own for your, uh, for your price. bank account. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, I was doing it because I thought it would be cold to, get a bunch of Jersey artists on one bill. 
Now, you're not going to run into a person like me very often in this industry. You're going to run into more people that are doing it because they want money. And that's and that's fair. And that's where that $300 came from. And that's me fair. Performing. Yeah, you know that's also saying? fair. Yeah. It's fair. Like, if you're, if you're the one going through all the headache to put together the show and you're allowing young artists who are not um, established, don't established have, at all. You don't know anything about this artist. You don't even know if they're going to sell a single ticket. Exactly. So you're putting a lot of... of uh, your money on the line because say they don't say every artist pulls up and they didn't sell a single ticket. The venue doesn't give a fuck. Now you in the red. You know what I mean? The venue does not care. So they're still going to charge that person however much they were going to charge them. If they don't get the money back, now it comes out of their pocket. But I would say that I would love I would love that structure more as far as me having to sell the tickets as an artist more so than me paying up front to be on a show. Because for me, in a sense, it would show more so like number one, I'm hustling for it. And then number two, it's like me being able to sell those tickets also probably would be like a second reinforcement to me. Like, oh, yeah, I could get bring, I could bring people out to shows as well. Like, this is something I'm trying to like well, really do. I can actually bro, do this. I put it this simple for, for an artist that was on one of my bills. If you sell 15 tickets, you make 100 bucks. If you sell 25 tickets, you make $200. It's on you. You're performing for 20 minutes. If you want to get paid... Uh, 200 for 20 minutes of work, I would sell the tickets. I'm selling them goddamn tickets. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like, like I know a lot of people sell tickets to their friends and stuff, but at the end of the day, I was curating these shows with artists that I knew were good mm-hmm. and I knew had good performances. So I wasn't going to, it wasn't like this, uh, your people would show up and the show would be ass mm-hmm. and it would just be you. The problem with a lot of those showcases is that there's no curation whatsoever. So you're pulling up, and there's 30 people. One dude's a rocker. One dude makes reggae music. One dude makes R&B. Then the next guy makes trap music. And at the end of it, you're like, there's no here. cohesion whatsoever. <laughs> so one person's fan is not going to be the next person's fan. Like it's a music circus. I made sure that, and, and my my shows, not to toot my own horn, but my shows were cold because I would have producers come and do beat sets. And then I would put... So this producer works with this rapper often. Mm-hmm. I would have producer do beat set, and I would go directly into the producer being the rapper's DJ. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was definitely fire. From you know what I'm saying? Like- so that was cold to me because they had tracks together already, so it flows directly in. The it's producer's sound is going to work with that rapper because they already work together. So I'm going to have producer, then I'm going to have rapper go on. Producer will be DJ for for that rapper. Mm-hmm. My showcases, I had... Um, this this uh dude Nick Visco DJ Nick Visco shout out to DJ Nick Visco shout he used Nick. to be the William Patterson uh, hip hop radio station DJ mm-hmm. and I had him set up in like this place had like a kitchen area and I had him set up in the kitchen with a cameraman and the little recording set up and he would interview an artist that hopped right off the stage fire so the artist not only had their performance and some of the like one of the artists I think it was his first time performing so. He has a performance, then he goes and gets his first interview. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I had vendors set up in the back. Uh, the store I was working for at the time was called Riot Sound. They sold vinyls, uh, DJ equipment. So I had him set up in the back with a bunch of vinyls, T-shirts, and everything. Cool. I had my own uh, T-shirt set up in the back. So basically, I had this like one-stop shop. And then the place we booked also had a bar. So it just Everything it just worked. Went, it, worked, it worked well. It was a great night. Yeah, I it mean, was an amazing it, night. It worked. And me and you weren't even, we didn't, we didn't even know each other, know each really. other at that point. Yeah. But, you know, you still were there. It still was a good time. And, and uh, I never believed in taking from the artist. 
even bro, there's some artists who feel like the five tickets thing is is me trying to take from them. And, and that's why I said like I will look at it the complete opposite. Like this is just like me showing like I really want this shit, and I'm gonna get people at my show because that's what it's all about. But also here's the thing: if you don't sell those five tickets, I, I'm still gonna ask you for the fifth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna need my bread off top. You know what I mean? That's like always. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a loss because you decided you don't want to sell tickets. At that point, you shouldn't have agreed to be on the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where the bad rap comes from. It's like, oh, uh, he made me give him fifty bucks. It's like, no, fam, you performed on a show, and that was the agreement. And that's what I kind of think, though, right? I think it's more so like artists are looking to just have an audience automatically. And that's probably where that like pay to play comes from. It's like, okay, if I pay you $300, you're just going to get these people here and they're already in front of my face already instead of me having to work and sell the tickets. Yeah. Well, this is where they come from. Well, you have the ability to make your money back. We're going to give you X amount of tickets. And if you sell them all at 10 a pop, you make your money back. Where I differ is I'm not asking you for money up front. You know what I mean? Like, I'm allowing you to sell these tickets on the arm. Mm-hmm. And then once you sell them, because I was putting down deposits and everything on the venue. Yeah. But once you sell the tickets, now you come and you already have the money off of selling something. It's like in business, uh, we've talked about this, but in business, there's like net 60 terms and net 30 terms and net 120. If the show's in a month, I'm giving you net 30 terms. I'm mm-hmm. giving you the product before it's even there so you could sell it. And then when that that bill comes around, and you have the about. money for it. You know what I mean? And that's and that's where that differs. I'm not going to charge you 50 up front and then give you five tickets and be like, sell them and you get your money back. Nah. You know what I mean? And I gave people as many tickets as they wanted. You feel like you could flip 30 tickets? Here. Because once again, that's just going right into your pocket. Yeah, exactly. and, that's that, and that's where that motivation and that drive comes from. It's like, yeah, even though we started off talking about, you know, would you pay for play? But once again, we always talk about this the most. Like, if you really wanted to do a show, you can really orchestrate one on your own. And that's kind of like, you know, you're providing essentially like a whole fucking blueprint of how you're able to like orchestrate this shit and get it like up and flowing. Um, but yeah, I think like a lot of those other, you know, pay for play is like more so just like, yeah, we're going to have these uh, VPs and these ex- executives from these labels and you sometimes I go to Instagram, they barely have anything as far as like the, the VPs and everything. It'd those, be weird. It'd be those, so weird. Nah, bro. bro. Those, those, I'm a hot 97 DJ. Yeah. I'm putting together a showcase and then they invite 30 artists. That's not really what you want to be doing. Cause I would say that majority of the people that show up to those shows don't stay. And that's the issue. And that's my biggest issue with a lot of artists. So if you are artists out here listening, it's like, if you go to a show and you have a showcase and I get it, sometimes we don't want to listen to all the other artists. You just want to go there, do your shit, have your friends cheer you on and just leave. For me personally, anytime that I go in a, or to a show or a showcase and I'm performing, usually my friends are like, yo, I, you, you finished, let's dip. I'm like, nah, I can't leave because to me, honestly, it's disrespectful to the other artists. I would and never want is. nobody to do that shit to me. And when I see people do it, it gets me upset. Like, But that's the culture. Exactly. That's that, the that, entire that culture around That shit it. needs to change. That's the entire culture. And that's why those showcases are as problematic as we feel like they are is because you think that you're going there for a networking, uh, networking opportunity. And- if you're talking about meeting artists, you are going there for a networking opportunity to mm-hmm. meet other artists, but you're not going to network with fans. Exactly. A lot of people think that they're performing for fans. You're not performing for fans. You're performing for other artists. A lot of the time what happens is uh, as an artist, you know the struggle. You know that you don't um, want to be a dick and you don't want to leave because that's not supporting the next guy. So you stay and maybe a couple of your homies stay. But for the most part, everyone that came to see you because... Here's where you break down what a fan is and what a friend is. And I don't think it's it's on camera, but we have uh, a poster here in the studio that says friends aren't fans. And the, the purpose of that is a fan 
is going to be at that entire show because they just want to see you be around mm-hmm. you. They want to see your presence. If you're staying for the next person, they're going to stay for the next person because they're like, that's what he would do. Exactly. Right? A friend, they're taking time out of their Friday night to come see you in support, but they're not, they have other shit they want to do. Kudos, you know what I'm saying? It's We're like, it's here. like, yo, why don't we go pregame at Bale's show? And then after Bale's show, we'll go do the real shits. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the bar that we were going to go to anyway. And I always tell them At all least the time. we save face. We show face. We show you know face, I mean? yep. And I tell them all the time, go ahead, go ahead. I got to stay here. Like, it's right. my obligation as an artist to stay here and honestly just embrace the people around me. And then the, the times, of course, during the show, it could be used as a networking time. But for the most part, you should be listening to the other artists and seeing what they're about. That's what I, I go to these shows to do. After everybody's finishing their sets and after the night is closing down, that's that portion where it's like, let me go tell this artist, yo, that shit was fire. Yo, what you got going on? What's your Instagram? Da, this, that, and the third. That's where that real connection starts. But if you leave in after you finish your set, what are you really doing? Like, right. you really just thought you'd probably perform for a bunch of fans, but you just perform for a bunch of artists. Yeah. That's, that's, what, all, that's, that's what it is. It is. And, and I always said, like, with my own stuff, I feel like I'm an artist artist. Like, I feel like my biggest supporters have always been other artists. Mm-hmm. Because I think that other artists kind of comprehend the difficulty and a lot of the, the shit I do on tracks when it comes to flow switches or when it comes to my pen, like stuff like that. It gets deeper. A, a normal consumer isn't going to uh, necessarily always see it. Where like an artist is going to be like, yo, his fucking metaphors are crazy. Mm-hmm. Or yo, the that flow switch was nuts. So it's good to have support from other artists, but I will say that other artists feel like they're trying to get the fan base. So especially in that like up and coming stage, mm-hmm. they feel like I'm working to get the fan base. So I'll support you. But like we're both in the same boat, man. Like I don't have much to give you, you know, and they're probably not going to buy your merch and they're probably not going to do all the things that you're expecting a, a supporter to do. Yep. And you can't even be mad at that. You can't. But you're not going to a show and actually making fans at, at one of those showcases. I would say like you have to build and what's beautiful is like back in the day, you would try to build through those outlets. Now you have to kind of build um, online. And then from online, maybe you can start doing shows where there's actual supporters there. But that's what I would also say too, at the same token with that is that, you know, even though you may not, they may not be a fan fan, because I know artists are a little bit weird with that stuff, like especially on, once again at the up and coming stage. But, you know, most of the people that you can influence and the most people that will become fans eventually or supporters usually be the artists. Now, they may not buy the merch and everything, but they will be the ones that's in tune to your music and trying to figure out how could they get, you know, a, on a song with you or how could they figure out, how, like, what are the steps that you're taking? So you will receive that, but it's not something like a straight supporter like you will probably find online Bro, to be able I to have, sell tickets. I have mad tracks with people that I performed on the same show as. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's some of my introduction to a lot of artists was people I performed on the same show. Here's a little game. Here's a pointer. Uh, when I would perform, I never went up to the artist. Um, I would go up to the artist if they just went on. I would say, yo, you're dope. And then I'd be like, I'm performing at X, X time. Uh, I don't want to talk business right now, but like after I perform, let's talk business. Because mm-hmm. I always wanted them to see me perform first. That way they m- could make their decision if they wanted to work or if they didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think that if you're, if you're going on in three slots, I don't think that you should go up and be like, yo, you're hard. We should do a track. Because then you're, you're putting the artist in a situation where they're probably going to agree out of, like, awkwardness. Of course. That always happens. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah, bro. We, we, and then we'll you like... go on stage and you're ass. <laughs> then it's like, 
fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> I should agree to this shit. So I always say, like, let the artists that you want to work with, if you saw them first, let them watch you first before you start talking business. Because now you're at a, a position where, like, you both are aware of each other's sound. Mm-hmm. And you can see if it works. You might go up to an artist who you guys have completely separate sounds. And, you, and just because you're in the environment, you might be like, yeah, we should work on a record. Yep. But the record makes no sense whatsoever. You know, we've all done it. Like, I've if you're an artist times. who's been in this in this game for a long enough time, you've worked on songs with people who you probably should have never worked on a song with. You could have just dapped them and been cool. You know, just because, like, I would say a Chance the Rapper and a Chief Keef, just because they're from Chicago and they probably cross paths a bunch. Doesn't mean they got to be on a song Doesn't together. mean they ever have to work on a track together. Never. You know what I mean? They could still support each other's music, but they probably shouldn't be doing tracks together. And I think that at showcases, you run into that a lot because going back to what we said before, a lot of the times they'll put on artists who are from all different genres and then you're kind of just chilling with them. So and you, you want to network. Pot. Mm-hmm. You know, but networking in that case. And there's also sketchy artists who like, I remember I used to uh, perform. Every time I would perform back in the day, I will pull out 40, 50 people. Mm-hmm. I have video proof of this guy. <laughs> He's not so, lying. I've seen yeah, it. He, he showed yeah, me. Like, I have video proof of fucking crowds jumping it's and I brought them out. It's a completely different dig. It's a yeah. completely different dig. But um, when I would bring out 40, 50 people, a lot of the artists who would be on after me or be on before me, they'd be like, yo, you're cold. You should bring your people out to my next performance. Artists will try to do little sketchy things like that. And it's like... Try to get a bigger crowd for their shit. Yeah, fam. You think that my people are going to take time out of their day to support you? They're already not trying to support me. And it goes right back to what we talked about. You know what I mean? Like, once, the, once your set is done, right. oh, we out. What are we, what are we still right. doing here? What are and we every here once in a while, they they like the next artist. That's Also on. true. That does, but, does happen too. But it doesn't happen as often as you would like. So my... um. My expert opinion on pay to play, because I've done it a lot. I've also done the opposite where I put on my own shows. I've performed through um, Excess DB, which used to be, I don't know if they're even still around, but they used to be a promotion company that they did some cold shit, man. They would send you uh, an email, right? Mm -hmm. In that email, there'd be a bunch of headliners, a list of headliners. And then it would tell you, um, in order to perform for this night, you would have to sell 40 tickets. In order to perform on this night, which was like a smaller headliner, maybe an up-and-comer uh, up that had like a decent social media mm-hmm. uh, buzz, you would uh, have to sell 20 tickets. I like that model. It was a really good model. I love that model. And I, I pissed them off because one time my uh, my DJ's computer crashed and I got on stage and I was like, I don't give a fuck about the promoters. I'm going to perform my whole shit. And never talk to them again after that. No more emails. Yeah, so just like move smart. Don't burn but, bridges. Yeah, don't burn bridges when you don't need to. Like they they probably would have been fine if I performed my whole set anyway. It wasn't like a big night, you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> like they probably wouldn't have said anything if I just did an extra 10 minutes. Hey, but, yo. Um, but yeah, I burnt that bridge. But they had a really good structure. And um, I performed for uh, a couple decently big headliners at the time because of them. And... And so their structure was pretty much you sell the tickets. They send you the tickets in the mail. They don't take any money up front. Um, you sell whatever they require. Mm-hmm. And then you get $2 for every ticket sale. Which, it that's not... You're still making money. That's not generous. You know what I mean? Not, but but at, the, at the same time, like you're, you're going to be on an actual stage in an actual venue. That's the difference. Um, and it was just a, a good experience being around like these headliners who... Otherwise, you there's no way you're being, being performed for yeah, them. Exactly. So it was cool. You can network with people. You know, if I wasn't an idiot and young back then and didn't have money, I probably would have had tracks with a lot of bigger artists because every time I would link or every time I would go to these shows, I would make sure to network with the headliner 
not in a because there'd be a line of fucking artists like trying to like talk to them and dap yeah. them. I would play it cool when I would go to the bar and see them go to the bar. I would buy their drink mm-hmm. and I'd be like, yeah, that's just for being dope. You proper, know what I mean? Proper way to do and things. And then and then me and them at a later date would talk on like Twitter or talk online and they'd be like, yo, you mad cool, bro. Let's let's work on some shit. I fuck with your shit. You know what I mean? Building real natural relationships. And that's just biz- that's just business. business that's he- just business. Not being he- not being nasty up front, not not looking like you're a vulture. And that's going to play out better for you than if you were to look like a vulture from the second that they show up. Because these motherfuckers will pull up, get out their van or get out their car. And the second that they walk inside, you see all these artists lined up like ready to talk to them. And I would always see that and be like, how would I take it if I was that guy? I'd probably hate that shit. Like, fam, I just got here. Let me put that in my bag. It's like being a bad female. You know what I mean? I just got... Yeah, it really is, bro. Like, you know what I mean? They and, swarm. And everyone knows that's the headliner. Another piece of game. If you're performing on these showcases that are like pay to play, um, you don't want to go last. You never want to go last. I know the the thought process is, well, if I go last, I'm pretty I'm, much I'm the, the headliner. Closer. You're not the closer. <laughs> You're going to go and sick. perform for five people. Because exactly. everyone comes at 7 o'clock because they don't know when their friend is going on. Mm-hmm. And then by 11 o'clock, everyone leaves. And if you are throwing a show, don't tell the performers or the artists what time, what time they're going on yeah. until they possibly just get there. Every artist that I've thrown Do a show not. for has tried doing that shit to me. And I always tell them, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to know the lineup until the day of. Exactly. Because if you do tell them, that's when people just thought, oh, yeah, just pull up at 730. And that's the one thing you'll see with your friends, too, yep. or the people that's coming out to see you. Yo, what time you go on? It's like. I said to everyone. I said, tell them. Tell them. The shit starts o'clock. at 7. Tell them 7 o'clock. I don't know what time I'm going on, so pull up at 7 because if you pull up later, you might miss me. That's the same thing I do. And that's perfectly fine to, to make do. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and yo, if your friends are such... If your friends are, are so against going to the entire performance, maybe that's not the person you up. should be inviting to the show. Don't pull up. You know what I mean? Because, like, that's not the way to look at this shit. And, and again, bro, that's why, like, we have to make a distinction between friends and fans mm-hmm. because a fan's not going to give a fuck to show up and, and bro, we saw it. I mean, we saw it. We went to the Black Odyssey show last weekend. Fucking Black Odyssey goes on at 8 o'clock. We knew that. We pulled up in time. Mm-hmm. We got there. Houses, it was. It had a lot of people. It had people on it. But it didn't have the full amount. Nope. And then, you know, 8.30 passes, 9 o'clock passes, 9.30, and then 10, it starts to get real That's packed. That's when it starts packed. They got, let me back up. COVID. Because people, cause people said... Corday's Corday's probably not going on until this time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull up at that time and and watch Corday. That's all I'm going for, you know. And and honestly, he had a pretty solid set list because he had Black Odyssey. What was the Justine Sky? Justine Sky, who was fucking beautiful. Yes, yeah, beautiful. And then and she's also really dope. I don't yeah. want to just come that, off like two that. fucking nasty boys. <laughs> <laughs> but Justine Sky is is really dope. Her performance was great. And then Corday went on. I'm not. <laughs> it was cool. It was, it was a good, it was a good show. Corday's dope. I just everything that I I've thought about Corday prior was exactly what it wound up being. And everything. Well, I never been to a Corday show. That's like my my second concert I ever going to. I know I'm an artist. I'm supposed to be going to more, but whatever. I'm weird. Um, I like I said, I enjoyed it. I just was able to see the atmosphere, and then you know, once we took a step back and looking at you know how many people are in the room and like how was it possible to get this, and it's like. 
it, it starts to bring things in perspective. So that's another thing. If you are just out there and you are going to these concerts and shows for like somebody that's not, I'm not going to say he's not big time, but you know, he's not like really up there, up there. Take a look around and see like, yo, and start like recognizing and like, yo, how can I do this? Or how can I get this room filled? Because when you start looking at it from that perspective, a lot of things start to seem like they're more obtainable than what they may really seem initially. Well, see, I turn into fucking Rain Man. When, yeah, you uh, definitely do. I turn into Rain Man when it comes to a show like that. Uh, I remember when we got there, Bills is like, damn, this is mad people. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm like, let's go outside real quick. So me and Bales walk outside. Not outside the venue. We walk outside the room. Let's just get a nice little and view. Then I go up the stairs and I go come up here and look from here. And I just was, I wasn't doing a head count, but I was just like showing him. When you're on ground level, it looks like a lot of people. It looks like a sea of people. But when you're up top and you're looking down at people, you could actually see how many people are in the room. And I was trying to explain to him, you have an artist who has, what was it, 7 million monthly listeners? Yeah, right up front. Okay, 7 million monthly listeners. And he probably had about 800 people pop out to the show. And then on top of that, like being from up there, you can also start seeing the demographics of people and like what ages they are, what they look like, you know, what nationalities, everything. And that's where my brain goes to every time I'm at a show like this. Even Mm -hmm. when I'm throwing my own shows or like putting together a show, I look at everyone that pulls up and I'm looking at their fan bases and I'm looking at who everyone is. Like, and a lot of the time that speaks to who the artist is as a person. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you look at who pulls up, like for instance, you look at this. All right. So I had eight artists pull up. And for the most part, everyone's fan base was very, or everyone's supporters or friends or whatever, was very cool. I had one artist pull up who his fan base kind of looked a little sketch. And then a phone goes missing. And I remember getting on the mic and being like, yo, whoever has the phone, just like, like, bro, we're all here. We're all here supporting each other. Like, let's just pass the phone up and, and. You know, that was the same night. Yeah, for the show. Yeah, that does. I know. I know who people you talking about and, too. <laughs> and the exact person who I thought his crew looked a little sketch, they had the phone. Because honestly, bro, when me and my me and my boys pulled up, he was like, "Oh no, nah, I don't know who those people are, but we keep an eye on them." Right. Like, as, as soon as we popped, he's like, and, "Oh no, nah, I don't know what's that's going my, on with that." But that's my biggest issue with shit like that is like, don't be that guy. Because that court day show, I didn't feel threatened at all or anything. It was like a peaceful bro, show, and it's a complete you, difference. When you're paying money. And, and this is what I explain to people as the, the person putting together the show. I have people coming here to have a good time, have fun, get drunk, and feel safe. This is not supposed to be an environment where people feel like if they step on a shoe, they're going to get into a fist fight. Yeah. So I take a lot of pride in making sure that the night goes fine. You know what I mean? I try to make sure every situation is good. So if someone comes up to me and says, yo, my phone is not here anymore. Like, I don't know where my phone went. Let's go find it. I'm going to get on the mic, and I'm going to find you your phone. Because I think that that's my responsibility as the person putting together the show. Because nothing's worse than being like, I pulled up to one of his shows, and I lost my phone. I got robbed. I got my my phone stolen. So I took it upon myself where I'm like, I need to make sure everyone leaves here exactly how they came here. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, obviously, when you're doing a show for a promoter that's inviting 30 guests, they don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, yeah, they just give about that money. You know, they, they're caring about the business behind it. They don't really care about the actual, like, logistics of it or if people are going to pull back up. As far as they're concerned, and this is another thing that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way about those showcases, is that with those showcases, these promoters don't care if you perform a second time for them. No, they just care about the money. 
So if it's 30 completely different acts on the next show, they don't give a fuck. As long as they're making their money and people are, are paying for the tickets, that's all they care about. So that's something to think about. You're not actually creating a relationship with these promoters. You're just doing one show for them. That's all they, they care about. The artists. second time you even try to perform for them, they probably won't even remember you. Nope. And they still got yo, you still got that 300, 500. You can still do this 10 minutes of song. You're going to offer right. you like $10,000 and a, a fucking a record deal. You could go meet with this person with this DJ radio and all this shit. It's like, all right, cool, whatever. That's cool and all, but I'm pretty sure you could do something else with that money and I have to go through that headache and that hassle. And then they always, I feel like personally, this may be the fucking, what's this shit called? Uh, conspiracy theorists, they always have a ringer. Like somebody that they actually tell to come there and then they just make them the winner. I could be wrong. But oh, that's well, how I've, my mind thinks. That's one thing I've never done. I've never done a contest. Yeah. And I, I would never in my career do a contest. Yeah, that's what they. That's what I did. This is the thing about those, right? One, you have to understand that the people that are coming to be the, the celebrity judges are getting paid. Yeah, exactly. And they're getting paid off the tickets you're selling. Right? Whoever wins that night, they don't give a fuck about. They're not going to give you a deal. They're not going to put you on the radio because they were a radio host and they showed up as a celebrity guest. They're there for money. They don't care about the artist. And that's just, I know that that, that sounds negative, but it's just the truth. The they whole don't, time I'm performing, I'm looking at that VIP section with the A&Rs. With the, yeah. They're just laughing. They're, right. they're drinking. And they're pouring course. up. And in it's in like, their head, it's like, yo, I got to go do some shit later. I'm um, getting paid a couple bands for it. To do a walkthrough. Uh, I just a walk-through. Gotta, yeah, I just got to pop through. I got a drink. And then at the end of the night, we're going to select the winner. It's easy money. And then, like, something you artists could do beforehand without forgetting, like, number one, don't do them. But if you do do them or decide, yeah, I still want to do it, go check the previous winners' Instagrams and where they're at and what they're doing. And you start doing research like that and you start seeing where their numbers are as far as, like, their following and what they're doing as far as the music. Like, and most of those pages, when you go back to look at them, they don't even exist anymore. Right. So it's like, in this industry, do not take anything for face value. I know that's hard to like fathom, but like, do not take anything for face value. You really got to explore and like really dive deep into certain shit because if not, you get duped and you're sitting there left and looking like, oh, I thought I had this and I thought I was going to do this. But at the end of the day, they was getting you the whole entire time. I'm glad you brought up the contest shit because I've removed myself so far from that type of shit that yeah, I didn't too. even remember that those existed. But what I will say, yeah, what I will say to you guys is... As far as contests go, and Bill's going to manually fix the camera, so we'll come back in two seconds. But as far as contests go, never do a contest. It, like, I feel strongly that you should never do that. I don't think that you're making a passionate product. You're making something that should speak to who you are. And I don't think that you should be judged against each other for the music you make as an up-and-coming artist. I don't think that that benefits you in any way. So... Cut those completely out. Now, showcases are a little bit different because there is networking opportunities. And even at contests, there's networking opportunities. I just think that that's a nasty model Like an SOB it. shit? Like the SOB type shit? Like when you... Yeah. Like that. that is more or less like you can, you can gain showcase. a couple mm-hmm. uh, new connects, whether it be artists or producers or DJs or whatever. But like you can make connections there. I've made a bunch of connections running that circuit. You know what I mean? I've, I've, when I was 19 or 20... I was doing that circuit. I was performing at all the venues. Mm-hmm. And I was meeting a bunch of artists. I still have a bunch of people that that have been solid throughout the years. You know what I mean? So there, it's not the worst thing for those. But I would say any place that's trying to charge you up front, I would probably avoid. Um, asking a young up-and-comer to sell 30 tickets is very difficult to do. 
you know, and if I wasn't fucking Mr. Popular captain of the basketball team, mm-hmm. fucking, I probably wouldn't have been able to sell 30 tickets. And I just thought about something again. Please, I understand that we talk about this so many times, but I always just want to like reiterate it and like home in on it. If people are saying to you that they are in Hot 97, these record companies, um, these execs, these VPs, whatever they're saying to you, please, please, please remember, like 95% of the time, it's a scam. And also, a lot of these Hot 97 DJs that be doing these showcases, they spin at like 4 a.m. Please realize it's a scam. Like, you've never, it's not Funk Flex doing these showcases. It's not the important people. It's not the morning show. It's literally the guy who spins at 4 a.m. when everyone's sleeping. Like, you're not gaining a crazy connection by going and performing there. Maybe on, on occasion, there will be an artist who performs, and they're so fucking cold mm-hmm. that one of these DJs is like, damn, son, like, I want to work on with him. Yeah. They might bring out the most people. And, you know, I've had that before where, like, I pulled up with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of people, and the promoter saw the, the people I brought out and then watched my set. And I've had promoters that, you know, they're buying me shots after, like, yo, you're nasty, mm-hmm. whatever. But for the most part, bro, like you're just going to go, you're going to spend money and you're going to perform your songs. So the benefits you get from it, let's do pros and cons to end the episode. Pros and cons are your pros are you're going to a space, you're performing for a bunch of people and you are going to get practice on stage. So you're there's a networking opportunity for it. And there's also an opportunity for you to actually, um, get practice and become a more solid performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cons in my head are you're paying money that you probably don't have. You're not gaining an actual fan base because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen at those events. And uh, a lot of the time you're probably getting gypped the amount. There's no ROI. So that's that, my biggest thing for a con is like, yo, you're just getting, you're, you're wasting your you're money. money. Like, you're just losing money. And what I would say is if you're in search of an audience, Say it costs $300 to go and perform at that uh, venue. What I would do is take that 300 and put it into advertisement. Yep. And then if you want to fucking perform, go to all these. It's so many open mics. I don't know if it's just like a Jersey City, and, New York thing. Like, and, there's so many open mics. And re- it is probably like a more uh, city uh, environment city type of thing. But If like, you have the advantage, go do them But shits. if you can do an open mic, I'll tell you this. Even though it seems like it's a lesser event or it's not as important, it's the same shit. And you're going to gain thing. the same type <laughs> you of... You don't got to pay $300. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I would say uh, that's a good point. I would say open mics over showcases. And I would say, you know, uh, spend money on advertisement, build an actual audience so that when you do start performing, you actually have people, real people coming out to the shows and they actually want to see you. They're paying for a ticket. They're not they're not pulling up just so that they can leave right after you perform. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're real people and they do want to support you. Yeah, open I always feel like open mics are a little bit better cuz you could make a real connection with people cuz they're a little bit sometimes more intimate. I've met a lot of people doing open mics. Um so it's been beneficial with it's all my mind always goes to yeah, if if they're trying to say, "Yo, you need to pay $500 to do this that, and the third." It's like, "Nah, but if you ask me to pay a $10 cover fee to come inside to do the it's open different. mic." All right, perfect. Yeah, I'll different. do that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I would say I would still say avoid it. And no, you cannot really open up for Wiz the Kid because some dude says he's part of his manager team and emailed you because there's a lot of them shits and they'll just frame it as if they have a big artist that you can open for. Just be careful. Be very careful. Tread the waters. Very, very like no wrong word. Tread the line. <laughs> no, tread the water. Is it lightly. tread the water? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna say that's Yo, your weird. saying game is fucking it's wild all over the place, bro. <laughs> Don't uh, get scammed. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Rapper's Guy Podcast for signing out. This is Diggy Match for Bills Pagliacci. Peace out, guys. All right, one.